Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. All right. Well, that's good. Glad you guys are here today. This is a fun day. This is a fun day. Um, so uh, every two years, the, the, church, the Alliance churches from across Canada get together at something called General Assembly. Uh, and uh, we worship together, we pray together, uh, we're encouraged by special speakers, uh, we get updates from around the world, we do some necessary business that needs to be done, and we set direction and vision uh, for what's to come. And so we did this just about two weeks ago, and, uh, and we all went, and we wanted to bring back little reports for you. So everybody's going to share today to kind of share a little, little snippet or a highlight uh, from what happened. Uh, so Amy, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, yeah, the thing that, uh, as I was there for the, I guess, five days that I just kept on being reminded of was the, the beauty and the importance of the whole body of Christ that it was such a reminder that we don't just follow Jesus alone, either as individuals or as a church, but we're actually, the way of Jesus is the whole body, all the different churches, all the different people coming together. And uh, one of the ways that I was reminded of that was uh, there was a church in, I think, southern Ontario that just began to pray for their uh, indigenous communities up in the north of, okay, Jesus, what, what could this look like to bring um, some reconciliation and support to these communities? And they just began to pray. And then they met other people that had connections with, with the leaders in these indigenous communities. And so they went up there and they started visiting and just listening. And one of the things that they heard was that the traditional songs of some of these uh, uh, indigenous communities were being lost because there was no way for the elders to... Uh, teach to the, to the children and the generations following because the, the generations would leave. And, and so then they're like, okay, how can we, what would this look like to meet this need? Then someone felt the, um, God's prompting to say, hey, I have, I have recording equipment. Could this be used in any way? And then others provided finances to, to be able to uh, charter a plane because uh, a lot of these northern communities are flying only. And so it was like one church prayed, another person had the connections, another person had recording equipment, other people were able to provide finances. And in the end, all of these people in the body of Christ came together to be able to go into these indigenous communities, record the elders singing their uh, traditional songs, and then give the recordings back to them and say this, this is for the, the continuation of your traditions, which was just beautiful. And then just even personally, I was reminded time and time again of individually that we are a part of the body of Christ. I had a chance to get prayed for by people that I didn't know, that had no clue, but they loved Jesus and they wanted to pray for me. And again, it was such a reminder that we belong not just to this church and even not just to the, the larger denomination, but we belong to the church, which is all those who follow Jesus. And we're not meant to live in this isolated place where we feel like we have to do it all ourselves. 
because all we have to do is do what Jesus has called us to because he's calling other people to other things. Well, that's awesome, Amy. Thanks for, for sharing that. Uh, Nate, why don't you go? Uh, yeah. So for me, the biggest thing that stood out was uh, one of the sessions that I went to. It was called Navigating the Turbulent Water of Critical Conversation. Uh, so it's quite a mouth, mouthful, uh, but it was really good. Um, in, in today's society and like with youth, I know that there's a lot of like different conversations that they want to have, um, but like me not being sure where I stand on certain things um, makes it a little bit difficult to have these conversations. So just go, being able to go to that and um, learn a couple things, I'm actually gonna share with you kind of like their big points. So the first big point about having a critical conversation with somebody is to avoid, uh, is that avoiding difficult conversations automatically silences marginalized peoples. So me not being sure how to talk to some of these students about sometimes it's LGBTQ, sometimes whatever it is, that's kind of my main one. But if I'm not willing to have that conversation with the students, it actually puts them even further on the edge than they already are. The second thing that they said was that uh, when we enter these conversations, we need to have love for the other person and see them as a person and not just an argument um, because that person is also deserves love because they're created by God. Um, so a lot of these times when we enter critical conversations, we're going to have these differing viewpoints with other people. And if we're not willing to actually see them as a person and we're just seeing the arguments that they have, it's a lot easier to be angry and come at it um, defensive and you know, kind of try and attack them. Whereas if we see them as a person, we're not actually going to be attacking them. We're going to actually see them as, oh, you just have a different viewpoint than me, and we can come at this in a different angle. The third is that we need to be transparent. Just be open and honest. If we're trying to hide things, the conversation isn't going to be fruitful. The fourth is that there will be times when you do get angry, and at those times, you need to table the conversation. And there's a difference between tabling the conversation and walking away from the conversation. Walking away from the conversation means that you're not coming back. Tabling it means I need some time to cool off, I need to gather my thoughts, and I'm going to come back to you. When we have conversations with anger, there's a high potential to do a lot of damage to, the, to that relationship and to that person. And the last big thing that they mentioned is that um, if we want our kids to have critical conversations, we actually have to be willing to have critical conversations ourselves. It, it can be easy and like, I mean, I know that I want the students in our youth group, like I don't have my own personal kids, but I know I want my students in the youth group to have critical conversations. But if I'm not willing to have critical conversations in front of them and with them, I'm not teaching them how to do that in a healthy way. So we need to model that for our kids as well, um, of being willing to have that if we want our kids to grow up and be able to have those conversations as well. So that's kind of what stood out to me, of just like how, how do we have those conversations well and some, some good things to be thinking about as we enter those yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. Mm -hmm. uh, and Esther, you joined us too. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you? Well, many of you who know me know that I love to go to assembly, and I've gone for many, many years. However, this might be the last because I saw how you have to have the update, up-to-date technology to really keep in touch. And so uh, that will have to be something I will have to do if I want to go to the next assembly. However, for this one, it was great. And as also as many of you know, I love to connect with my old friends, and particularly those who are home from overseas uh, assignments. And that was very special. 
and very excellent. And so it was good to rub shoulders with them, and, but the highlight of that part was the Friday night. We had a dessert night, and then we had a time together to actually uh, officially retire or honor those who were retiring 2020, 2021, and 2022. And that was a, a long time because all those years we didn't have assemblies and we weren't able to honor them. I also want to mention that the new president is uh, a worker from one of our IWs from Thailand. And I know that when his name was put forth, somebody said, oh, what's that going to do to the Alliance? It's going to be so missions-minded. And I was just like, really? We'll be back at our roots. But it was phenomenal. He's just an amazing guy. And Greg and I actually got to meet him uh, about two months ago, I think it was. And at that time, I was impressed with him. Well, I'm very impressed with him that he is going to be and is leading our denomination now. Uh, so that was, that was good. I also know that even here, you know, we've got young families coming in, which is great. And it's not just an older group getting older every year and, you know, retiring out. Uh, that's true of the Alliance as well. So we've got a lot of younger leaders. There may be a lot of changes ahead for us, but I think that because there was such a good theme about fixing our eyes on Jesus, that uh, I have confidence that we are going to go forward with, with good things happening. Changes, yes, but good things happening. Uh, just a minute, one thought just escaped me. I'll have to let it go, I don't know. <laughs> but thank you for giving this opportunity for, for me um, to go. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I like how the way you guys have shared. So if you guys picked up some of these themes. So, so Amy shared about the indigenous people. That was a big theme over the week. Uh, Nate shared about the marginalized people. And that was a big theme for the week. And then Esther shared about our work around the world. And that was a big theme for the week. And uh, it was really exciting to go and hear all those things. And as Esther shared, uh, we, uh, we did elect a new president. But before we did that, um, we honored our past president. So you, some of you remember David Hearn. He was here. He's preached here before. Uh, he resigned uh, back in November, and he was at General Assembly. We had a night of being able to honor him, uh, say some wonderful things about him, and, and just thank him for his service. And then he gave a rousing, uh, I think they said, do you have a couple words to share? And he gave a rousing sermon uh, to us, which was just fantastic. Uh, and so we were very encouraged, and it was very good to be able to honor him. Uh, it was very good. Uh, but we did elect a new president. His name is Darren Herbold. And as Esther shared, uh, he's coming off of his time in, uh, in Thailand. Uh, but let me just share his bio with you, because this is really, really neat. So Darren was in business for six years prior, prior uh, to pastoring at Beulah Alliance Church in Edmonton for seven years. And then in 2014, he joined others on the uh, mission field as an international worker in Thailand, where he launched a Thai foundation focused on anti-trafficking anti and evangelistic efforts. Uh, and Darren's married. Uh, his wife's name is Naomi. They have three kids. 
and they're just relocating right now to southern Ontario. Uh, so we're excited to have him on. Uh, he's got a very missional mindset, as Esther was sharing. Uh, but he is, he, uh, as Esther and I visited with him a couple of months ago, he spoke lots about spirit-empowered mission, which is what we're going to be going into this fall. So this fall is going to be all about spirit-empowered mission. So it's pretty exciting uh, to see that that's also coming from um, our alliance uh, leadership. I want to share a, just a quick little story that Darren shared with us. Um, as he, he shared, uh, he had a moment to share, and here's what he shared. He shared a, a story from Josie Chaco, who is a, an East Indian mission powerhouse, and here's how the story goes. A group of missionaries heard about a faraway village in Nepal where the gospel had not yet been preached. So this group began their journey to this distant location. They had to fly into a remote landing strip they took a vehicle many hours down difficult roads. Uh, they then hiked for several days through the bush, finally arriving at this isolated village, cold and weary. The villagers greeted them, brought them in, and they began cooking this dark, thick fluid over the, the fire. And it was kind of bubbling and popping there as it was cooking. And uh, the, the missionaries were thinking, my goodness, they're going to serve this to us, and we don't know what it is. But as good missionaries, they prayed a quick prayer, uh, and they sipped away. And to their surprise, they realized that they did indeed know what they were drinking. It was hot Coca-Cola. <laughs> the missionaries found out that while the gospel had not yet reached this village, Coca-Cola had gotten there 11 years prior. Darren shared how Coca-Cola's vision was that everyone in the world would get a chance to taste Coke. And it reminded me of Psalm 34.8, where the psalmist uh, invites the reader to taste and see that the Lord is good. And Darren went on to share about reaching the least reached uh, peoples in the world, including those in Canada. And I began to think about the South Peace where we are located and I wonder, has everyone in the South Peace tasted and seen that the Lord is good? I think that many people know who Jesus is, but have they tasted and seen that he is good? Just kind of a drive for us, a press for us to push forward in our efforts to make sure that we are presenting the true Jesus to the people in the South Peace. Well, uh, as a group, we want to thank you for sending us to assembly. It was our priv privilege to go. We thank you for, for sending us down there. And I think we're going to end our sharing time here, and we're going to move into a devotional on Psalm 23. So thank you guys all for sharing. I don't want this to be an awkward transition, so although I guess by saying I don't want it to be an awkward transition, it becomes an awkward transition, doesn't it? Well, we're going to go into a, a brief devotional on Psalm 23. We're working through the Psalms uh, this summer, and I hope you've had a chance to join with us. Um, if you haven't and you want to, uh, Pastor Amy has put up a reading plan on our Facebook community group, and she has paper copies of those. So if you want to grab one of those uh, on your way out today, certainly do so um, and join us as we read through uh, the Psalms this summer. 
Well, um, lately as a, a pastoral staff, we've been talking much about the Psalms, obviously. We've been talking about how the, the Psalms um, draw us to Jesus, the Messianic King. Though, though the Psalms are located in the Old Testament, they look forward to the coming of the Messianic King, who we know is Jesus. Uh, and they're encouraging. Uh, they breathe life into us. I've been, as I've been reading through the Psalms, I've been encouraged by what God has to say to me uh, through that time. I've also been encouraged that again and again in the Psalms, I recognize the presence of Jesus. And you guys know that Jesus is here with us right now. Here's a Psalm that speaks to this. In Psalm 139, the Psalmist David says this, where can I go from your spirit? He's speaking to God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. It's encouraging that that Jesus is right here with us right now. And of course, all through Scripture, the Lord continues to reveal to us that He is with us. He promises time and time again that He will never leave us or forsake us, that He's right here with us even to the end. In fact, as, as the angel comes to speak to Mary, he says that Jesus is going to be called God with us. God with us. That should blow you away. It should blow you away. We sang about this. Our first song this morning was about the, the amazingness of God. The God who created the world. The God who, who is huge and powerful and almighty. Is the same God who chooses to live amongst his people. Pastor Nate shared a passage of scripture with us at our staff meeting this past week. It's a vision of the Lord that the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel had. Here, here it is. You're going to have to go and read this for yourself later, but I just want you to picture in your head what Ezekiel is describing here. He describes these crazy-looking, gigantic, multi-winged, multi-faced creatures flying with faces like a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man. These, these huge angelic beings flying in the middle of an incredible and frightening cloud of fire and lightning. This is what Ezekiel sees. This unbelievable picture, it's, it's fearful and awe-inspiring. It's an amazing, amazing thing. It could have come out of a billion-dollar Hollywood movie. And the creatures are carrying what looks like a huge platform or expanse or vault sparkling like ice. And then Ezekiel says this, Then there came a voice from above the vault over the creatures' heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of sapphire, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire, and that from his, his waist down, he looked like fire, and brilliant lights surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him." Ezekiel is describing an awesome and terrifying vision of the Lord. Now, this is a pre-incarnate vision 
of Jesus Christ. Jesus had not been born yet in the timeline. So this is a pre-born, pre-incarnate vision of Jesus. The theologians call this a, a Christophany. Ezekiel sees Jesus in all of his glory, and it floors him. There are other descriptions in Scripture that describe the glory of the Lord. Uh, Such visions cause the prophets almost every single time to fall on their faces before this vision as if dead, in awe and in reverence and in quite a bit of fear. Oh, the grandeur of our God, the one who spoke the universe into being, the one who holds all of existence in the palm of his hands, the great and awesome, mighty God of everything. This is the Lord. This is the Lord, awesome and mighty. And this is the same Lord, Jesus, who is God with us. That should blow you away. It should blow you away. As we think of this picture of of God, the Lord, Jesus, awesome and mighty and yet with us, As we think about that picture, let's read Psalm 23 again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this is likely one of the the best known psalms in all the book of Psalms. But often I think the main point of this psalm gets lost because we read this psalm as Westerners. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a Westerner, but we just need to realize that the the Bible wasn't originally written for our culture. In the West, we communicate with a linear communication style. It's like this. It's on the screen there. We have an introduction that we usually call point A, and then maybe we have a bunch of different points. Point B, C, and D are the body of our message, and then we have a conclusion, which is point E. When we communicate with a person, whether it's to teach or just to share, we drive towards point E. That's our main point. Point E is the thing that we're trying to get to. It's the most important point, and it's linear. We get there in a straight line, A, B, C, D, E. It makes sense. But in Middle Eastern society, especially that of early Middle Eastern Israel and the Old Testament, and certainly the culture and the society that wrote the Psalms, they often communicated in a chiastic structure. Chiastic communication would take the letters A, B, C, D, E and structure them kind of like what you see on the screen right now. There's a lot of repetition and parallels in chiastic structure. In this example, points A and E will parallel each other. They'll have similar meanings. The same with points B and D, which leaves, leaves the main message or the focus of the entire communication right in the middle at point C. So where Western communication drives linearly to point E, Middle Eastern communication drives to the middle at point C. 
So if we think when we read Psalm 23 that we're going to get the, the point of the psalm at the end, we're missing it. It's especially true in Old Testament poetry and especially true in what we find in Psalms, that there's a chiastic flow to many of the Psalms. So as you read these Psalms through this summer, take a look at, at what things look like. See if you see this chiastic form within the Psalm. Try to find where the, the middle point is, the main point. Now, it's, it's not true that all the Psalms are chiastic, but many of them are. So take a look and see what you find. Up on your screen is the breakdown of Psalm 23, because it is certainly a chiastic psalm. So I'm, I'm going to quickly and briefly look at these. But King David wrote this psalm, and there are two illustrations that, that David uses within this psalm. The first illustration is that of the shepherd. And then halfway through uh, this psalm, David changes his illustration to that of a host. But these two illustrations are both one and the same that point to the middle point. So let's look at the beginning and the end. In verse 1 and in verse 6b, these are parallel passages. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is paralleled with I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These two lines have very similar meanings. These two parallel illustrations, shepherd and host, drive the story from both ends of the psalm towards the middle. The shepherd and the host produce similar results found in verses 2 and 6a. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, paralleled with surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There is care and provision for the psalmist from both the shepherd and the host. Again, found in these next two lines, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake which is paralleled with the anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So we have care and provision at the beginning and the end of this psalm, but it, provision for what? Provision for what? Well, here we're going to find, as we move in from both ends, we're going to find a predicament that the psalmist finds himself in. Here's the two predicaments that are one and the same. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is paralleled with, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death and sitting at the table in the presence of my enemies, these are two predicaments, two harsh environments, two difficulties that the psalmist finds himself in. So we have provision on the outside of this psalm, and we move into the predicament on the inside of the psalm. So what is the point of the psalm? Where is this leading us to in the exact middle? Well, here it is. It's the central message of Psalm 23. I will fear no evil, for you, both the shepherd and the host, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the central message of Psalm 23. This psalm speaks about the provision that comes even in the midst of terrible predicaments from our Lord, who is the shepherd and the host, our Lord, who is God with us. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know the psalmist David is no stranger to difficult predicaments. David has walked through the valley of the shadow of death. David has been seated at a table in the presence of his enemies, literally, these things happen to David. 
But in both of these situations, David has seen the provision of the Lord. Why? Because he is God with us. Have you seen difficult times? Folks, this is the Christian life, which sometimes we build this as you become a Christian and everything becomes easy. And it's not true at all. If you guys have been a Christian for any length of time, you recognize that this world has its troubles and difficulties. It's not always rosy, happy, or sparkly. In fact, oftentimes we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. And oftentimes we see ourselves seated at the table with our enemies. But I will fear no evil, for you, my Lord, are with me. God, the God who is infinite and almighty, who created the universe with a word, who holds all things together in the palm of his hands, God with us is God with you and God with me. Maybe you haven't noticed him in the middle of this space yet. Maybe you are feeling overwhelmed by the valley or the table. Have you seen God show up in the middle of your difficulties? Because it's still difficult to see him in the middle. I want you to take a moment right now and just close your eyes just for a moment. And I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, you are God with us. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would fill this place. I think of the passage that Isaiah talks about where you filled the temple, the train of your robe filled the temple. Would you fill this place, Lord, right now? That everyone listening to these words right now be filled to overflowing with your presence. Now you church, listen. Listen as you hear the promises that God is giving to you now. Jesus promises that he is God with you. He is here right now right here for you, with you, in you, and through you. He's right now making you lie down in green pastures. Right now, he's leading you beside the quiet waters. Jesus is currently, right now, actively restoring your soul. He is anointing your head with oil, and he is overflowing your cup. Jesus is God with you right now. Just take a moment, continue with your eyes closed. I want you to just take a deep breath and I want you to notice his presence. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence with us here today. Thank you, Jesus, that you've never left us or forsaken us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are God with us. So a couple of things. You might be here today, you might be watching online, and you've not yet met Jesus. You've not yet met the one we're talking about today in Psalm 23 who is with us. So if you've not yet met Jesus, he's here already. He's right there with you right now. And so really to open yourself up to him, all you have to say is something like, Jesus, here I am. I give you all that I am. Come, live in my heart today. 
And if you do that, now you've met Jesus. Congratulations, you've met him. And he lives with you and he walks with you and he is with you even in the difficult spaces. Other thing is, you may look around here today and you might see a face you don't recognize because I'm, I'm noticing a lot of visitors, some who drove seven hours from Calgary to be with us this morning, others who have been here visiting family members and things like that. So if you look around and you see someone you don't recognize, go introduce yourself to them. And if they say, well, I've been coming here for like 10 years, where have you been? Well, then it's just great. It's fantastic. Maybe you just sat on the wrong side of the church. It's fine. So meet somebody new today, introduce yourself, connect, and let me just pray for you. Because today, Jesus is with us. He's with us. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to be with us. That, Jesus, you are God with us. And we don't have to walk through this world lonely and dark and broken all on our own. But Jesus, you walk with us through these difficulties. And yes, Jesus, sometimes you take us out of them. But more often than not, you take us through the valley of the shadow of death. More often, you seat us at the table in the presence of our enemies. And so we are just so thankful that we don't have to fear any evil because, God, you are with us. And so I pray today, church, that you would experience, you would experience Jesus at another level today that you would see him in the midst of the difficulties. Yes, in the middle of the good times as well, but that you would see him in the middle of your difficulties. You would know that God is with you and that you can walk through these things, not alone, but with him and filled with his presence. So be filled again today, church. Be filled again by the presence of the Holy Spirit as he carries the presence of Jesus into us, that the God who created all of the universe would reside in us. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So now, church, may you go out from here filled to overflowing with God with us. In Jesus Christ's powerful and wonderful name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ, and then make him known.